and let's hear together the word of God. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the cheap gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another step down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. Verse 10. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They answered him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn. And there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask for your blessing and the illumination of your spirit as we turn to this passage from the Gospel of John. We pray, Lord, that we will understand how much you have loved us and how much you pay to give us healing, salvation, and eternal life. In your name we pray. Amen. The Gospel of John was written by the Apostle John. And it, and it is different from 
the other three Gospels in its style and content, as we have mentioned before. John's Gospel emphasizes the divinity of Jesus rather than his humanity and the importance of faith in him as means for salvation. And that's the primary purpose of John. Do you remember in chapter 4, Jesus, Jesus had just left Samaria where he had encountered a woman, a woman at the well and revealed himself to her as the Messiah. He had also healed the son of a royal official in Galilee, demonstrating his authority and power. And now, in chapter 5, Jesus returns to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. And from chapter 5 on, Jesus deals not just with unbelief, like in the previous chapter, but Jesus, from chapter 5 on, deals with death threats from the rulers of his time. So let us start looking at the background at the at the background of this miracle. If we go and read together ch chapter 5 verses 1 to 5, we are going to find the background. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the cheap gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. The first part here is the location and the setting Jesus is in Jerusalem one more time. And this time, he went to a pool where, the people, where people with diseases and disabilities with, waited around this pool. Now, imagine the shocking sight of the crowd around, around the pool. There were not just a few sick people but hundreds of people hoping someone would lead them into the pool when the waters were stirred. Imagine those dying bodies. Imagine the stench. Imagine the filth. Imagine the tragedy of the people there. It had to be a horrible Sight, a distressing sight, except for one thing. In this occasion, Jesus was there. That, my dear brother, brothers and sisters, reminds me of our reality in our suffering and dying world that we are living in these days. Just think for a moment 
the war in Russia and Ukraine. Just think for a moment the menace of pandemics, all in you, coming and going. Just think for a moment of, on the earthquake in Iran, hundreds dead and thousands injured. And coming closer to home, just think for a moment, a diagnosis we do not want to hear from our doctor. Some of us have carried wounds from childhood that paralyze us. And nobody knows, nor do we know how to heal them. Just think for a moment. We all know we live in a broken, broken world. But the good news is that Jesus meets us in our brokenness. Jesus walked into Bethesda. And Jesus is coming into your Bethesda this morning. In the middle of our brokenness, Jesus walks into our life. But now, in verse 5, we are introduced to a man who had been an invalid for 38 years. He had been laying by the pool for a long, for a long time, hoping to be the first one to enter the waters when they were stirred. But he had never been able to do so as he was paralyzed and had no one to help him into the pool. And there is when we read about his encounter with Jesus. Read with me in verses 6 to 9. It says, When Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another step down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up. Take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. Notice that Jesus walks right up into uh, right up to him and asking a very, a very odd question. Do you want to be healed? The man had been crippled for 38 years. Do you think he wanted to be healed? Of course. I have learned by experience not to ask some questions. For example, when my wife comes home with 10 bags from Costco, 
I have learned not to ask, do you need help? <laughs> you do not want to know the answer or the look. Could be worse than the answer, right? Or for example, you do not ask a person under a car's hood if something is wrong with their vehicle if you do not, if you do not want to hear something like, oh no, I'm just taking a selfie with my radiator under the hood. That's an ironic answer. You can receive a worse answer than that as well. But for this paralytic, the question Jesus asked was crucial. A Bible commentator says that in some parts in the Middle East and other places I personally, personally know, a person who is healed would lose a good living. That's what he is saying. A person who is healed would lose a good living. Some invalids prefer to be in that situation because if they are healed, they know they will take on more responsibilities, like working daily for a living. So Jesus' question was very relevant. Do you really, do you really want to be healed? And this morning, Jesus is asking us the same question. Do you really want to be healed? Because this question summarizes the biggest problem of our lives. If you are hearing for the first time about Jesus, let me pass on to you Jesus' question, do you want to be healed? Do you really want to be healed? Do you really want to be forgiven? And do you really want to receive a new life? Because if your response is, yes, let me tell you that you will be healed right now from the biggest problem you face before God. Sin. Now, if your answer is, uh, no, thank you. A polite answer. No, thank you. Then, you are choosing to remain paralyzed. And that's your choice. But for those who already have said yes to the tender question of our Savior Jesus, there is a question we must keep asking ourselves. Do we really know our own hearts? Because the more we know our own hearts, the more we know what sin has destroyed in our lives, the more we need healing. And the question remains, do you want to be healed? Healed of resentment and unforgiveness to ourselves or to others? Healed from conflict in our past and things hidden within us? 
until this day, sometimes I wake up angry and agitated because something in the past that I thought was forgiven and forgotten still causes nightmare. Have you experienced, experienced that? Well, still, the question remains. Do you want to be healed? Or do we want to be like this paralytic man that said in verse 7, I had no one to put me in the pool. You see, the question requires a simple yes or no answer. Do you want to be healed? Yes or no? But this man's answer to Jesus is more of the same thing he's been doing for 38 years. He's still trying to figure out if there is some mystical way to fix his problem. He's trying to be healed by his own efforts. And Jesus is telling him, do you want to be healed? I don't want to know what you have been trying to do for 38 years. And dear brothers and sisters, our life would be no more able to come alive than this man would be able to walk. Our reality is that we are invalids as well. Our reality is that we are the blind. And we are the lame. And we are the paralyzed of this story. And without the power of Jesus, we have no hope in this world. So let's move. Let's move together to, to this last part. The response of the people. Notice in verses 10 to 15. So the Jews said to, ma to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. Can you believe? But he answered them in verse 11, The man who healed me, the man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? They, notice, they are not asking, who is the man who healed you? That is the first part that he told them. They are asking, who is the man who told you to take up your bed and walk on Sabbath? And brother, I will save you some time, brothers and sisters. You don't need to read the whole Old Testament Again, to find out where is that rule that you cannot take up your bed on Sabbath. There is no page in the Old Testament saying that you cannot take up. This was a man-made law that people, that the Jews, the Pharisees were imposing on people. Who he is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk. Verse 13. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn 
and there was a crowd in the place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. There are two things I want to point out here. First, notice that Jesus told this man after he found him for a second time in the temple, see, you are well. Sing no more. Nothing worse may happen to you. What is Jesus trying to say to him? Jesus was telling him that he didn't want to heal only his legs, his body, but also his heart. My aim in healing your body is healing your soul. That is what Jesus was telling this man. You will die walking probably. But sin is a bigger problem. My dear friends, Jesus is not only looking to take away our fears and troubles in this world right now. He's interested in our hearts as well. How many blessings have you, have we received from Jesus? Count them. Make a mental list right now. Look around and see how blessed you are. But we tend to forget that all the blessings, answered prayers, health, and wealth should point us to Jesus, not to take us away from Jesus. So all of us here should take up the warning of Jesus when he said to this man, sin no more, nothing worse may happen to you. Jesus has made us a part of his kingdom so that we may be like him. Living for God's glory, not living for our own glory, because that is the root of all sins. Living for our own pleasure and not living like Jesus lived, pleasing God in everything that he did. But the second thing I want to point out here in this last part is this. Let us ask ourselves what did Jesus obtain from this miracle? Did everybody who witnessed this miracle believe in Jesus? No. This miracle was a private miracle. And the only way they knew about it was because the paralytic man told them about it. 
And notice that he told them only when asked why he was carrying his bed on the Sabbath day. Jesus healed this man, and he didn't, didn't know who Jesus was. This paralytic didn't know Jesus. Can you believe it? So, what did Jesus obtain from this miracle then? Jesus received opposition, persecution, and being marked for death. This was what Jesus received in exchange for the healing of this paralytic. This is what Jesus took out of this miracle. Bible commentator named Ken Hughes says, Humanly speaking, our Lord sealed his death warrant with this miracle. It set him to the cross. It sent him to the cross. He loved the paralytic that much. Jesus loves that much. The healing of the man set off a chain of events that leads to conflict between Jesus and the Jewish leaders. Till his death. All this Sabbath controversy with the religious leader was not only because of the Sabbath, but because Jesus' claim to be one with the Father. Notice what it says in verse 16 to 18. Verse 16 says, and this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus. Because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But notice Jesus' answer. My father, in verse 17, is working until now. And I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Verse 16, it says that it was persecuting, persecution. But verse 18 says that they wanted to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father. Making himself equal with God. Jesus' statement that he and the Father are both working is significant. It reveals that Jesus is not just a prophet or a teacher, but God in human flesh. He is claiming 
equality with God and emphasizing his divine nature. This claim was highly offensive to the Jewish leaders who saw from this day on to kill Jesus. This claim is highly offensive till today. That Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth, and that Jesus is the life. Now comes the question for all of us today. How should we respond to the miracle of miracles we have received? How should we respond to the miracle of salvation, the forgiveness of sin, and eternal salvation? First, we must understand that we cannot save ourselves or earn God's favor through our good works. It is not possible. But we can trust God's grace and mercy to heal us and make us whole through Jesus Christ. Second, as Christians, we are called to demonstrate our faith through our actions, obeying Jesus' commands and trusting in his power and in his authority. We are called to love and follow him, showing that we understand the price he paid for our healing, for our freedom, and for our eternal security. That's why James says that our faith should be an active faith, a living faith. And finally, let us be prepared to stand firm in our faith, even in the faith, face of opposition. This claim is highly dangerous. My friends, there is coming the time that claiming that Jesus is the only way is going to be dangerous. This, this miracle teaches that when we know who Jesus is, we can stand firm in our faith. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for this time that we have had to look into your word. I pray that your spirit will work this word deep into our hearts and minds in the coming days and weeks. And that we would be people who would cry out, we want to be healed. We pray this 
In the name of Jesus, Amen. Let's